smuggling. Some people think pirates and simple fishermen trying to earn a little extra cash on the side. However, when we look at it, it's an illegal act born out of customs duty and taxes put on to imported and exported goods. Initially, the taxes weren't a ridiculous amount of money. However, as time went on and people got more greedy, there were more wars to fight and fund, and the government couldn't decide whether Parliament or the Crown got the most money, these taxes increased. Here became the birth of smuggling. So pour your cuppers, because this is coffee and a slice of history. Smuggling into Britain. Hey up and welcome to another episode of Coffee and a Slice of History with me, Ellie as usual. I hope you're all doing great. Thanks to all of you who listened to the last episode, Rise of the Samurai. If you aren't already, I'll put a link in the description below. Also, for each episode on the podcast Instagram page, I'll be putting up photos in accordance to each episode, just so you can get a visual of what I'm on about. I'll also put that in the description too. If any of you are interested in any particular part of history that you'd like to hear about, just be sure to comment or send a message via the Instagram page and I'll try and get round to it. So, without further ado, on to today's episode. Smuggling first became apparent in the late 13th century when a duty was put on the export of wool in Britain, which was in high demand in Europe. This duty was low in cost, however, over the 100 years war, going on at the time, this cost increased to fund the fighting. However, it wasn't until the late 17th and 18th centuries that smuggling really exploded. It got more violent and it was done on a larger scale, as well as starting to smuggle more than just consumables or fancy objects. They started to smuggle people. During this time, more alcoholic spirits were being smuggled into Britain than what was being imported legally and by the proper ways and means. During the 18th century, the continental wars were in play, and smugglers were near enough left to themselves and to do as they pleased, as all the strong, able-bodied men were away fighting. As the words to a poem called The Smuggler's Song suggests, all the village folk were told to look away and face the walls when smugglers walked past with their contraband. This was so if an individual had been arrested, as they were thought to be a smuggler, the villagers couldn't honestly say whether or not they had seen anything or recognised the accused smuggler. The words from this poem by Rudyard Kipling are Them that ask no questions isn't told a lie. Watch the wall, my darling, while the gentlemen go by. Smuggling meant that many goods were cheaper, even if they were illegally imported. It was a social crime and communities had the betterment of these cheaper goods and really saw these smugglers as a sort of anti-hero, and didn't see them as wrongdoers. This meant that they wouldn't really report them to authorities, and would conceal them instead. Smuggling was rife on the coastlines of Britain. Yorkshire, Kent and Cornwall were all hotspots. On the Yorkshire coast, Robin Hood's Bay, Ornsey, Whitby, Thornwick Bay and Flamborough, as well as other port towns along this coastline, were all popular for smugglers with a base for them to store their contraband. In Scarborough, East Yorkshire, George Snooker Fag was a prominent figure within smugglers in the 1770s. His boat was highly armed and the local revenue cruisers couldn't stand up to this sailing armoury named the Kent. Fag was eventually caught in 1777 after a captain of one of the revenue cruisers 
was sailing close to the flagship, which clearly had illegal and smuggled goods on it, and the captain shouted over that he would open fire on the Kent. Fag wasn't bothered by this threat, and the revenue captain opened fire anyway, and a battle commenced. For once, Fag was outgunned, and the Kent managed to flee just. However, when Fag and his crew thought they had succeeded and drifted out of range, a naval frigate appeared. Desperate to save his beloved ship, he sent his men out on rowing boats in order to tug the Kent away. This idea was a flop, on the smuggling crew surrendered. The Kent was then sailed to Hull by the captors and the cargo was deposited at the customs warehouse there. Down in the south of Britain, the most famous British smuggling gang were also in action. The Hawkehurst Gang of Sussex smuggled along the southeastern coastline of England from 1735 until 1749. They were named the Hawkehurst Gang as their base was in Hawkehurst in Kent primarily. However, it spanned along to Dorset. They were successful on many occasions of raiding the customs house in Poole. Formed in 1735, it only took the gang five years to have a powerful fighting force, as well as massively dominate the Kent smuggling scene. In 1740, the gang assaulted some customs officers in Robertsbridge and claimed a load of tea what had been contraband. Then quickly after this, they upped their operations and began working alongside other local smugglers. However, these working partnerships weren't always amicable, as each of the groups were greedy and unequal. In the late 1740s, the Hawkehurst gang could supposedly assemble 500 men within hours. However, the gang did have a defeat, thanks to the residents of Goldhurst. The battle caused minor disruptions and the gang took a low-profiled approach after this. The final nail in the coffin for this gang was in 1749, when the two ringleaders, Arthur Gray and Thomas Kingsmill, were both executed. Smuggling into Britain seemed to slow down hugely in the 1780s, thanks to Prime Minister at the time, William Pitt. He lowered import taxes, meaning the price of legal trade goods were at odds with the smugglers, who were breaking the law.